Thanks for tuning in to the Fertility Health Podcast, hosted by renowned fertility specialist Mark Trollis, MD. Each episode features first-hand advice and potential treatment news, tips, and strategies listeners can use on their fertility journey. And now, here's your host, Dr. Trollis. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Fertility Health Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Mark Trollis, and joining me today to discuss evaluating the male in the fertility uh, pursuit uh, by, by men or couples is a good friend, Dr. Jameen Brombat. Uh, Dr. Brombat is board-certified urologist specializing in chronic testicular pain and infertility right here in Central Florida. Uh, he completed his urology residency at the University of Tennessee followed by a fellowship in robotic microsurgery at the University of Florida. He's now co-director of the PER Clinic, and PER stands for Personalized Urology and Robotics at South Lake Hospital and Orlando Health, as I said, in Central Florida. He's an active member of several professional organizations, including the American Urologic Association uh, and the Florida Uro- Urologic Society, where he serves on the executive committee. He's a TED speaker. Uh, he's uh, on the media uh, in every, every uh, area of television and uh, radio and print. He's frequently seen uh, on national platforms as well as social media channel, channels. I don't know if you've seen him and uh, his, his associate, Dr. Sejo Paracato. Uh, they co-founded this Drive for Men's Health. It's an annual nonprofit public engagement campaign that continues to encourage millions of men to eat better, get active, engage in preventive medical screenings. So I, I um, enjoy following his career, uh, not just in, in medicine, but what he does outside of medicine to pursue uh, a better male health. And so this is going to be on the infertility evaluation, which is not excluding the health of the male because there are, there are lifestyles and behavior modifications, which I, which I, I hope he gets into, uh, to talk about how the man can improve their fertility uh, just by doing those things. Uh, you know, the male, male aspect of fertility, which most people are not aware, is that 40% of couples, it's the male uh, that, that has a problem that's contributing to fertility. So it's almost half. So uh, let's get into it, and, uh, and we bring in Dr. Jameen Brombat. Jameen, thank you so much for joining the uh, Fertility Health Podcast and, and for taking the time today. Hey, Dr. Carlson, thank you. Thank you for having me on this podcast. I think this is a very good topic to bring up because, you know, to be very honest with you, when patients show up in my office, before they show up in my office, they kind of assume that 100% of the cause of their infertility issues are uh, because of the female. But the reality is that over around 50% can be male-related. So it's a team effort in working up the female, working up the male, and getting the couple what they want, which in this case would be parenthood. Yeah, absolutely. I, and, uh, I, you know, I even see that in some reproductive clinics where, where the, the, the male is not uh, even evaluated. They, they feel that you could just go right to IVF and sort of overcome that, which is obviously not the right thing to do. Um, our listeners need to know that, that an abnormal sperm analysis may be the first sign of something really even serious, like, God forbid, cancer, so you always want to evaluate the male, um, not just for the fertility reasons, but for health. 
But to talk about the outset, Jimmy, what lifestyle uh, changes can a man do, uh, well, to protect his fertility, but also if he's having trouble, what are some things that they want to avoid? It's, the testicles are very sensitive organ. They like to be in a certain place, certain position, certain temperature, and have a lot of things around them balancing the chemicals and the hormones around it. And one of the biggest risk factors for infertility is our obesity epidemic. Not only is obesity causing high blood pressure, diabetes, strokes, and many other problems, but it's also linked with a dysfunction within the testicle itself when it comes to being able to produce good, amazing, awesome sperm. But not only that, but anything that changes its location or temperature around your testicles, which could include sitting in hot tubs all day, laptops, the whole theory about boxers versus briefs, to be very honest with you, there is no direct link. So enjoy whatever, you know, you like to wear. But hot tubs and laptops, which can really increase the heat around the testicles, is directly correlated with issues with infertility. One of the biggest things that a lot of people don't talk about is actually mental health, stress. Uh, most of us Americans are stressed either at work or at home, and stress is directly related to how well your testicles are going to be able to produce that optimal sperm. So if you're stressed out, obese, and taking part in things like smoking or supplementation or bad habits, all that stuff is not only going to cause you to have issues with fertility today, but all those things are also linked, as you mentioned already, with other health issues in the future. So um, you know, it's, it's, there's no better time than now to get that wake-up call and start improving these things. Yeah, tobacco, uh, a big problem, of course, uh, and it seems like there's some effects on the genetic alterations of the sperm. So it's not just the female, which we really, really uh, encourage uh, our, our women to stop because of the accelerations uh, in ovarian aging with cigarette smoking, but tobacco is still a big problem. Um, what what other things that you're seeing that men uh, need to avoid? I know that these the um, uh, the endocrine uh, disruptors, uh, the phthalates, uh, these chemicals, the plastics, uh, all of those things seem to have some impacts on sperm as well. Yeah. Well, I just want to finish up. So you're saying cigarette smoking. You know, vaping is becoming huge right now, especially in kids that are teenagers, middle school kids. We don't know the exact links yet, but I bet you we can safely assume that it's going to cause the same issues that smoking does when it comes not only to its carcinogenic effect, but its effect on fertility. So don't forget that aspect like, oh, I just vape, so it's okay for me to continue while I'm having these issues. No, not only that, but marijuana as well. I've probably seen like three patients this year that's just to stop their marijuana use for a couple months and everything went back to normal without any medications, without any manipulation or any surgical intervention. So, you know, there's anything that you're not supposed to be putting in your mouth or smoking uh, is, is directly going to affect your fertility. And, you know, you should really be cognizant of all that stuff today rather than kind of worry about it tomorrow. Yeah, there was an article today talking about the harmful effects of marijuana. Uh, I, I think we're going to be getting a lot more data now that uh, there's a medical marijuana uh, uh push across the country, so we'll be able to get more studies, I'm sure, to see the true effects of, of marijuana on fertility as well as other, other things. Uh, I, I also see that a lot of the men are extremely surprised over the age factor. You know, for many years, we thought that the, it was really women's reproductive age had that cutoff 
and that men could be able to father a child well into their later years. But now we're seeing uh, age having an effect on reducing fertility and increasing uh, miscarriage, birth defects, even some autism and schizophrenia, particularly in the men above 40 to 45, increasing fourfold. Uh, what, what are you telling uh, the men um, at a younger age? Are you giving them sort of a heads up to say that, hey, this is not something that you, is lifelong fertility? There is, there is a biologic clock for men? Yeah, you know, it's, it, it, it's not as straightforward for me because, yes, there's all, these, all this data out there, but it's not as strong as it is for you uh, in your field. But I always tell patients is you're not going to be any healthier five or ten years from now than you are today. And what we do know is that men do have a natural decline in testosterone after the age of 40. Um, so that being said, there's probably a natural decline in other things in your testicle as well, and that is sperm. So, yes, men can have sperm up until 100, up until the day they're dying, but how efficient are those sperm going to be? So it's kind of like, you know, you can climb Mount Everest today, but 20 years from now it's going to become much harder. So that's the same thing when it comes to your overall fertility. So it's going to be harder for you but it may also be harder for the baby and its future. So, you know, a lot of patients are waiting nowadays, and there's actually a big push in some of these big cities for guys that are going to plan on waiting to go ahead and freeze their sperm, which, you know, sounds like a great idea, but, you know, is it really worth uh, freezing and delaying kind of like a natural process? And, you know, I think that's a debate for another day. Yeah, I, I, I did not know. People ask me, are, are men doing that? Are you, are you starting to hear about that uh, across the country? I have colleagues of mine in New York City that get a lot of these Wall Street guys that just go ahead and bank some sperm. So like, like the women are doing with egg freezing. Interesting. So let's, let's start from, from an exam. So you get referred uh, a, a, a male for, with an abnormal sperm analysis and um, talk us through how you would evaluate these men from, from the beginning, uh, obviously the history and, and examination and so on, laboratory. So in, it, when, when the men come to my office, I always request that if their partner can come with them or we can get them on the phone or on FaceTime at the same time. So that way we're kind of clear um, on exactly what we're going to be doing. And also we can kind of clear up some of the statistics because there's a lot of guilt involved with some of this stuff as well because you know, one sex may be blaming the other sex. Um, the evaluation, as you mentioned, uh, starts off with the semen analysis. That's where you would basically go and masturbate uh, for us in a cup, and then we would analyze your sperm. Now, that has to be done two times because there's so many things that you could be doing today that could affect your sperm count tomorrow. So we always want to get a good um, two data sets when we assume, okay, there's definitely something wrong. On top of that, what we'll do is we'll get some lab work. So your testicle is driven by signals from your head, from your brain. And so those chemicals have to interact with your testicle. And then once your testicle makes sperm, it, uh, it travels through these small little tubes and joins your prostate and the ejaculatory ducts. And then your sperm is actually a very small part of your ejaculate. So all that stuff that you see that comes out, only about 10 to 15% is actually sperm. So there's a lot of processes where things go wrong. So that's why we check several different things, and that includes the semen analyses. It includes lab work to look at your entire hormone profile, and then it also includes an examination where I'm actually feeling the testicle, feeling those tubes, and seeing if there's any 
um, deformities, abnormalities, or absence of the, the things that I may be uh, used to seeing on a normal patient. Based on what we find uh, on that, then it may lead into more testing. Um, it may lead into further imaging like ultrasounds. It may lead into like very invasive testing like genetic testing, or it may be a recommendation to either move forward with surgery with us, or we may say, hey, you know what? If you're really in a, if, if you want to pursue other options, then, you know, maybe something like IVF may be the best way to go because, you know, we not only take into account the male, we take into account the female and all of her risk factors as well when we're having these, these discussions with our couples. You know, our literature is such that we, we will refer after one abnormal sperm analysis. Are, are we jumping the gun? Should we, should we wait for these men or should you see them and do the second sperm analysis? I would say the best is, is to have two. Um, but when you guys do send us uh, these patients, the ideal patient that would come in, at least for me, would have two semen analyses and the full hormone profile done. And it's really just for the patient's convenience because when they have all that stuff done, they see me in the office and then we can start either treatment or, you know, start taking more aggressive steps. But, you know, when I get patients with just one semen analysis, it's, it's okay. I mean, I don't mind because then we would just order everything and then I would just see them a couple of weeks later. So, you know, we're, we're saving some time, but uh, we're not saving um, them from, you know, expediting anything else that they would be done. I, I often uh, get uh, a little bit stymied over men who have just the isolated low shapes and or just low volume everything else being normal. So what do you do with just isolated low volume and what do you do with just isolated low shapes? Yeah, so um, when it comes to low volume, that's why we always get two. And, you know, a lot of these patients don't refrain for two or three days before they actually ejaculate. Some of them may admit that they actually missed the cup when they were doing it in the office. So that's why we like to get two. Now, when you say low volume, it really depends on, like, the number that we get. If it's super-duper low, then we may pursue some genetic testing and further imaging because there may be something anatomic or something on a microscopic level in the testicle that could be causing these low numbers. Now, if it's just kind of borderline, there's millions of couples out there getting pregnant on borderline sperm counts. There's actually millions of couples out there getting pregnant with very few sperm counts. So, you know, you can't just always go by the count. Now, you mentioned morphology or the shape. I don't really put too much into morphology. I think it may really affect things when it comes to them doing IVF. But for me, the two biggest thing I look at is the count and I look at the motility, like how well are they really moving? Because these are two things that I can really improve either with some surgical interventions or medications or, to be very honest with you, behavior changes. Like some of these guys, I'll just say, hey, you got to lose some weight. you got to stop smoking. And then let's, let's recheck everything in three months. Now, Mark, I mentioned three months, and that's a very important time period to remember. Three months is, is the life cycle of sperm. So if you were to change, make, make some major life changes today, we honestly probably won't see many changes until about three months in the actual semen analyses. So this is not, a lot of this stuff is not instantaneous. It takes some time. And that's why you gotta take into account the whole picture when you're recommending some of these interventions because, you know, some patients may not have time to wait. Right, right, exactly. Uh, a good point that you were talking about in terms of the parameters of, of density and motility, you know, the count, 
and motions of the sperm. I think it's important for our listeners to know that the World Health Organization has given us guidelines for, for what we consider normal and not normal for sperm analyses, but a little bit of background. The way they came up with these guidelines, which was back in 2010, actually, they released the fifth edition, is that a, say you take 100 fertile men, they're all fertile, meaning that they impregnated a woman uh, for, uh, within the year of trying, and they looked at the 95% cutoff. So all the men were able to impregnate, and so the, the men who were outside those parameters, lower than those parameters, uh, are could still be fertile, but there's just less of them. There's like 5% of them, essentially. Uh, so I, I think that a lot of people... Um, uh, get the misunderstanding, Jimmy, uh, that if the numbers are below those cutoffs, that, oh my gosh, there's just no way we're going to be able to conceive laterally. No, because, you know, you have to think of it like like a graph. So you've got the 5%ers on one extreme and the 5% on the other extreme. I mean, I see men with like 300 million sperm, which for our listeners, that's a lot of sperm. That's like what I call them supermen. And they may still have issues with fertility. And that's because there's a subsegment of these patients that, that have unexplained infertility. So the female may have a perfect workup, the male may have a perfect workup, but there's still some issues on a microscopic level, which we just don't have the best understanding of where they're not able to um, conceive. And that's when, you know, we really, after we've tried on both of our ends, may start recommending, hey, maybe it's really time to get aggressive and do things, something like IVF or IUI if you haven't done done it because there's certain parts where we just can't explain why they're not interacting in there and that's the unexplained infertility part yeah you you get into the circumstances where and i remember when i was in charlotte a young couple everything normal uh uh, tubes were open and she ovulates and his sperm analysis is normal they went through multiple multiple iui cycles we do ivf and no fertilization that was the problem they uh, they were the sperm were not able to bind uh, to the egg uh, to uh, result in fertilization. So we had to do the advanced technology of the ICSI where you take a single sperm and inject it into the egg. But the sperm analysis, and, and I'm, I'm hearing more and reading more that the sperm analysis is not really a, a very good test to determine uh, reproductive potential of a man, correct, Jimmy? No, no, it, it's not at all, but unfortunately that's all we have. It's kind of like a snapshot of your day. And we just kind of use it as a tool, but some people get so obsessed with it. So that's why, like, I don't really focus on the nitty-gritty details. And you have to understand, like, sperm, see, seen analysis as well, it, there's a lot of, like, subjectivity to it as well. So if it's done somewhere where someone's looking, we don't look at the whole, like, all the CCs. They look at, at like, sub-segments of it. So there's a lot of variation sometimes. And, you know, there's all these new technology where computerized and it can be done, but there's still variation so we, what we try to look for is trends, and based on the trends, we make decisions, whether it's medications to help boost your testosterone or block your estrogen receptors, which can help hopefully boost your counts, or if there's something anatomic, like if you have had um, hernia surgery and now your tubes are blocked and that's when we may not see any sperm come out, then we can do a reconstruction. Or I, I see a lot of men, Mark, that are on testosterone injections, and they go through all this stuff, and then they finally admit, yeah, I'm taking testosterone at the gym. I haven't told my wife. Please don't tell her. <laughs> so, And then right. we end up stopping it, and then things go back to normal. Or they may have something anatomic like varicocele, which are big veins. So, you know, there's definitely things that we can correct. 
But honestly, a lot of the times, um, you know, if, if they had focused on some of the behavior things early on in their life, they could potentially avoid a lot of the, um, the pokes and prods in the future. Yeah, you, you, you briefly touched on the Barakasil, just just uh, for our listeners. that This is, what, I don't know if you're familiar, I guess an easy thing to say is the varicose veins, or the legs, the veins are very prominent. Well, it's, particularly in tall men, on the left side of their scrotum, uh, they, they could have an increase of veins, which is sort of what we call congestion, and it's because of the way the vein drains into the, uh, the rest of the, the body, the renal vein, but it could cause a backflow of blood, and that increased temperature can have an effect. And it's, it seems that the evidence is such that um, if, if you can feel it, and there is an infertility and abnormal sperm analysis, those are the patients that would benefit from surgery, not, not if it's visualized just by ultrasound uh, or any other special imaging, but, but feeling it is, and it feels like a bag of worms um, uh, around the testes. Uh, so what what uh, what can we um, uh, take home, uh, Jamine, for our patients in terms of optimizing their fertility for men? Yeah. So um, you mentioned uh, the varicose thing. You're absolutely right. There's three grades to it. Grade two and three have been shown um, to definitely benefit uh, these patients. But a lot of my men uh, will not have varicose. It'll just be some hormonal deficits. So. To kind of summarize, like, what are the things that you can do today? Well, anything that keeps your heart healthy is going to keep your balls healthy and it's going to help your fertility. So get your 150 minutes of moderate exercise in a week. And you can be a weekend warrior. You can spread it out 30 minutes a day. But keep your heart pumping. Keep your blood fresh. Keep your oxygenation positive. And all that stuff is going to keep you from getting overweight and obese. And that's going to lead to a trickling down effect where you're going to have improved fertility. The second thing is you are what you eat. And the, the testicle is very sensitive. So make sure you have a very well-balanced diet. And when I say well-balanced diet, that includes, I'm sorry, that does not include alcohol. So patients that are known to be excess alcohol drinkers. So in men, um, I think the number is more than 10 drinks a week. You know, alcoholism is also linked with infertility as well. So get moving more. Make sure you're putting the right things in your mouth. And the third thing is if you do have a problem or you do have an issue, don't wait too long. Like get it fixed now, especially these fertility things. Like, you know, you may get this corrected now, you may have the baby now, but still keep following up because these same things are going to cause issues with testosterone in the future, which can affect your mood and your bones and your muscle mass and many other things. So it's kind of like an eye-opener now uh, that should require lifelong follow-up in the future. Excellent points, Jermaine. Uh, we're, we're, we're running out of time, unfortunately. I just wanted to underscore the, the point that testosterone uh, is given out very much too frequent for men in their reproductive years uh, who are complaining of fatigue and their primary care physicians will give them that or if they're doing bodybuilding. Um, and unfortunately, testosterone can suppress and block the signals from the brain and cause no sperm in the ejaculate. Uh, and and if it's not too long that you've been on it, hopefully stopping it will restore sperm. But sometimes if you've been on it for a long time, it may not be uh, able to be restored and you have to get sperm from the testes. Uh, so we, we've run out of time and, and I could probably talk for another uh, half hour or more with Dr. Brombody. It's a plethora of information. Um, and I want to thank you all for listening to the Fertility Health Podcast. Thanks for listening to the Fertility Health Podcast. If there's anything from today's show you want to learn more about, 
Check out the IBFcenter.com for all the notes, links, and tips mentioned in this episode. If you're not already subscribed to the show, please press the subscribe button on your podcast player so you don't miss a future episode. And if you haven't given us a review or rating on iTunes yet, consider leaving a five-star review to help us reach and educate even more individuals in need. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next episode.